Welcome to our six-week Blue Cord Summer Series, featuring some of our best redemption stories from previous seasons. They're sure to encourage and inspire you. We'll be back with all new Season 5 episodes in September. Until then, enjoy this summer series. Welcome to the Blue Cord Podcast. This is a place where everyday Christian women like you get inspired to be authentic witnesses in your daily life so that people who don't know Jesus come to know Him and make Him known. So give us a glimpse into the essence of your childhood years growing up a young female in Afghanistan in a Muslim family. What did you know about God then? Well, um, I grew up in a very stressful and strict secular Muslim household consisting of both my parents, my two older brothers, and my younger sister. Our home had very little love in it. There was really little to no communication. And any communication that we did have, it almost always resulted in anger, hurt, and resentment. And especially as a young Muslim girl, I always felt my feelings and my pains were always overlooked. My dad was an agnostic Muslim, and my mom, being a devout Muslim, never even really met eye to eye about God or Islam, let alone about anything else in life, which resulted in an endless physical, mental, and emotional abuse to everyone in our household. And it was by the age of eight that my parents enrolled me in Islamic school, where I learned the core beliefs and the practices of Islam and the Islamic Shahada. And because my home failed to demonstrate God's love, it left me feeling very lonely and very distant from God and from my family. So I know you came to the U.S. when you were eight years old, and it was Why a radical transition for you? Tell us about that. Yes, it was actually during the the Soviet war in the 1980s that I was just two years old. And it was my family and I that we were forced to flee our country to find temporary refuge in India for just about six months. And we fled to live in exile for two years in a refugee camp in Germany. And by the early 1990s, we did find our new home in the United States. And it was by the age of six that my family and I finally settled in the U.S. And it really didn't take long for my family to find relatives and friends that they knew from Afghanistan um, living in the same state as we did. And because they were so overly excited to reconnect with these fellow Afghans, they failed to see that I was being sexually abused by the same relatives they welcomed into our lives until I was 10 years old. And it was one thing that I learned very quickly as a young Muslim girl was never to bring dishonor and shame to my family's name. And because I feared the trauma and pain from my sexual abuse would bring dishonor and shame to my family, I never spoke of this to anyone, but only really trusted this pain with Allah, who I never received any comfort or assurance of healing from either. And it wasn't until my teenage years that I began to struggle with my identity and I tried to exercise my Islamic faith by praying as I learned to do in my early years, but I felt it was a one-sided relationship with God. And that left me feeling even more alone and conflicted. And while one part of me wanted to remain true to my Islamic roots, the other part of me wanted to experience the Western culture with my new friends. And no matter how many times I prayed or cried out to Allah, I never felt his presence or love in my life until my heart had an encounter with the true God, and that was the God of the Bible, Jesus. Oh, so tell us about that first time you heard about Jesus. By the age of 18, I could no longer bear the abuse that was going on in my home. 
So I ran away and secretly married my husband, a Mexican-American man whom I was in a secret relationship with. And it was after my family found out I married someone outside of our culture and religion that I was disowned for several months. And until my husband proved himself to be a kind and loving husband and father and won over my family's love and respect. And where we lived in a small one-bedroom apartment, there was a very dark alley where light never shined through. And it was until one night I woke up to find light shining in the darkness, forming three crosses on my bedroom wall. And I looked outside my window to see where this light was coming from. But there was no light outside and it was completely dark. And so I moved my blinds to see if the image of the three crosses would change. But the image of the three crosses remained very still. So I woke my husband up to show him the three crosses. But he told me the image of the cross was a good thing and represented God and told me to go back to sleep. But that night, I really could not go back to sleep. I kept asking myself, how can light shine in the darkness? And it was two weeks later, my husband's sister, who was a new believer at the time, invited us to visit her and her family at a state. And that night, I had the same encounter, except this time I found a Bible sitting on the floor. And in Islam, I was taught never to place God's holy books on the floor. So I picked up the Bible to place it on the end table. But I heard a small, still voice telling me to pick the Bible up and scan through the pages. Now, I had no idea why I was scanning through the Bible or what I was looking for, because my heart and my flesh gave up on seeking God. But what I didn't realize is that my soul still hungered and thirsted to have a real and personal relationship with the true living God. So my sister-in-law, she saw that I was interested in the Bible and tried gifting me with the woman's devotional, but I declined her offer. And now that same night, I woke up to find light shining under the door this time. And I woke up and opened the door to find the hallway was completely dark and everyone was asleep with their bedroom doors closed. (laughs) So I shut the door and asked myself again, how can light shine in the darkness? And why am I the only one seeing this light? Now, turn fast forward to Resurrection Sunday, 2008. My husband's other sister, who was also a new believer at the time, invited us to attend Easter service with her and her family. While I accepted her invitation, I told my husband not to expect me to do anything because in my mind, I was thinking that there's no way that they're going to convert me to become a Christian. And what made the God of the Bible different than the God of the Quran. So I planned to sit and listen with my arms crossed, but little did I know that the living God of the Bible had a different plan and purpose for my life. Because walking through those church doors, I heard men, women, and children of all ages singing songs to Jesus, singing of his love, of his goodness, his forgiveness, his characteristics, singing that there was power and restoration in the name of Jesus. Now, I hadn't even made it to my seat before my heart was even overwhelmed with emotion. I felt like I was home for the very first time and felt my heart pop as if a river of living water broke through the hard pile of rocks I'd been storing in my heart. And it wasn't until the end of service that the pastor invited all who wanted to be forgiven and set free from bondage to confess, repent, and turn away from their sins, and to receive the free gift of salvation by receiving and accepting Jesus Christ into their hearts as their Lord and as their Savior. Now, Karen, after hearing this message and being moved to tears, I walked up to receive Jesus into my heart and life. 
and right away felt the heavy burdens I'd been carrying for years lifted off my shoulders. Yay! Yay! <laughs> Praise well, God. <laughs> yes, absolutely. You know, you said several important things there. I was just thinking, wow, number one, God was wooing you to himself. And you were a person of peace. You know, he was at work in your heart and your life, softening your heart. And number two, your sister-in-law was loving you and she was just open-hearted, wholly sharing with you and, and inviting you to study the Bible with her. And then kind of gifted you that devotion and then the Bible and she was loving you all along the way. And those are things that all of us can do any, any day, anywhere, all the time. So now I'm so curious. Once you went forward and you accepted Christ, what happened next? Well, after several months working on renewing my relationship and trust with my family, they found out I left Islam and became a convert, which led them to disowning me several times again. I received threats. I was slapped. I was spat on, mocked, humiliated, kicked out of their home, and even said I was dead to them that they no longer had a daughter. I felt the hate, the pain, and the resentment. I had surrendered to Jesus that I feel that it forced itself back into my life again. Now, as I went through all of this with my family, I was still a new believer and learning and growing in my new faith. Now, as a new believer, I had no idea what persecution or spiritual warfare meant or even believed that it was real until it actually became real. Now, I had no idea what it meant to even have a personal relationship with Jesus or to abide in Him. I didn't understand the importance of opening in God's Word, the Bible every day, or having a strong prayer life, understanding the significance of fellowship with other believers. And after failing to abide in these basic principles, for the next five years, I walked through the wilderness of my life until the pains of my circumstances and sins brought me down to a fetal position in my closet, which led me to cry out to the Lord in complete surrender. Now, as I cried out to God, it was the Lord Jesus Christ who picked me up and spoke to my heart and moved my stubborn heart to sign up for women's Bible study, to become more faithful and obedient in my walk, to trust Him with all the good things in my life, and especially trust Him during the hard times. And after several years of walking and living out my new faith, my husband and others witnessed a dramatic change in my life. And because of this divine transformation in my life, my family then finally accepted me and my husband of 17 years, and our children as as Christians. Mm, yay. God works all things together for good for those who love him. Amen. Yes, he does. So, Amen. So, Nagin, now fast forward through lots of years. Now, today, you're living as an authentic Christian witness among men and women of many faiths, including Muslims again. And I bet you have an amazing story or two about how you're seeing God at work among the nations around you. So with that in mind, um, what do you know to be true about God's heart for the nations right now? Well, as the Lord continues to do a new work in my heart and has done a, a mighty work in my heart, He's also given me a desire to share His great love with others. And the Lord called me to love the unlovable, and that included people from different cultures, different nations, different status of wealth and health different temperaments and people even in our own churches who feel maybe they don't belong because some in the church may have misrepresented our Jesus to them with an I'm holier than thou type attitude and forgotten the one thing that 
points people to Jesus and that's love. And so with this new desire burning in my heart, I asked the Lord to use me and to send me to the nations to proclaim the good news. And it was the Lord who answered my prayer and blessed me with the opportunity to pray two prayer videos with um, with PrayerCast as part of their Love Muslims project. And uh, these prayer videos were for Hubble and the Muslim youth. And it was shared across the globe, inviting and leading thousands of, of hearts around the world to pray for the salvation of our Afghan and Muslim brothers and sisters who desperately need to know that there is a true living and loving God who not only sees their pain, but also feels their pain and what's and wants absolutely nothing more than to invite them to a restored relationship through his son, Jesus Christ. Now, my heart has been hurting over the current events unfolding in Afghanistan. And I truly believe in my heart that the Lord, our God, has opened a door for us to reach the people of Afghanistan by bringing the nations to us. And it's our job as ambassadors of Christ to wake up from our slumber and to share the good news with our new neighbors by being the hands, feet, and the hearts of Jesus. Now, recently, the Lord moved my heart to reach the nations by sharing the gospel and love of Jesus through outreach ministries that I've been so thankful to be part of because we have the opportunity to come beside the hurting by making ourselves available to them in love and to provide them with just essential items that we really don't think of, but things that they need in this foreign country and most importantly, to also allow our good works for our faith in Jesus Christ to point them to his love. Yeah. So, Nagin, tell me anything else that you'd like to share. Well, I do want to encourage you who are all listening right now to, to ask the Lord to open your heart and to lead you to Afghans and other Muslims in your communities who are desperately needing to receive the love of Jesus today. Ask the Lord to use the various gifts that he's graciously bestowed upon you to be fruitful in sharing the love of Christ with others. Your gift may be cooking, it may be sewing, knitting, teaching English, whatever it may be. Remember, all you need is an open heart and a willing heart, and the Lord Jesus will just take care of the rest. And with that, Karen, I also have a scripture reading from John chapter 1, and that's verses 5 through 14, if, if I may read. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. Though the word became human and made his home among us, he was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Amen. 
Amen. Thank you so much for sharing today. Nagin, that was wonderful and wise, sage advice. So Nagin, as you shared, you mentioned doing two recordings for the prayer cast, and I'll leave a link in your show notes so where you can go and listen to that prayer cast that Nagin did. And then also, Nagin, you mentioned outreach ministries that you've been plugging into. And so to our listener, that would be an outreach ministry like getting involved with local refugee ministries or international student organizations or even English as a second language type ministries that might be nearby and around you. All right. So as you think about what's happened over in Afghanistan, and I know as soon as that happened, many people began to reach out to you almost as a subject matter expert because you came over here from Afghanistan. I would just love to know how you have seen or have you had some recent stories together with some of your fellow Afghanis who've come to live here in the United States, perhaps where you live. Do we have any recent stories from any that you'd like to share that are on your heart? Um, yes, actually, with some of the most recent outreaches that, that I was part of and had the honor of being part of, there was a, a man that was specifically, he's a father of eight children, and these eight children were all 10 years old and younger. And he came to the park because one of the members of our team had distributed a flyer stating that we were going to be in a local area as part of a gathering for families and an opportunity for families to come and meet other families. And so this father of eight, I had found out, had just arrived from a camp in Virginia, and he had only been here for about five days. Now, he saw, and his goal was to come to the park in hopes of earning money for his family, in hopes of getting some type of financial assistance. And the blessing is that while the government has aided them and helped them and brought them here, the problem is that they're having a difficult time adjusting. And there's a difficult and a shortage of laborers to rise up and to come together and to show them love simply in the form of helping them with whether it's transportation, which would allow them to go to the doctor's office, taking them and registering their children to school or for school, taking them to a local grocery outlet or store. And so this father had come and just shared some of the struggles that he had encountered and gone through in the camp. And some of these camps, the living situations and conditions were not very good. They were not very well, and they weren't very well taken care of. Now, while this father stayed with us throughout the entire outreach, it was finally towards the end when he was leaving and uh, him and his, his children were able to collect some of the things, some of the items that we were gifting them with and blessing them with and giving away. And at the end, he said, I came here. I came here thinking I was going to earn the money for my family. But what I'm leaving with is your kindness and your team's kindness. And with that, I will forever cherish and hold close to my heart. Now, see, Karen, we are in Bible scholars, and some of us may not even be Bible scholars. Some of us may be Bible scholars, but God has given us a gift to love, and that is what we ought to do. And planting seeds in love is going to be a lot more fruitful and blessed rather than 
sharing the gospel in a very dramatic way, whether it's giving them a Bible that they may not even understand, because we have to consider that as they're coming in, a lot of these men and women are vulnerable because of the religion that they're leaving behind or bringing with them. There's a lot of confusion that they've been exposed to. And so our job is to love on them in whatever form that looks like, whether it's in an outreach or it's being an ESL teacher or complimenting them on their cooking or taking them out and offering them to go to this Muslim market. Those are the blessings and the seeds that we can be planting and pointing them to the Lord. Amen. So thinking about the men and women who are living all across North America right now who may not be thinking about this topic right now, what would you like everyday Christians to know about the opportunity for engaging with Afghani refugees or any refugee right now, knowing what you are one yourself? Not to be afraid to interact with them and to approach them. A friendly hello, that is exactly what they need is a loving smile, is a kind, warm face to greet them. And and I want to share one thing in my devotion today. It reads, the only possibility of turning an enemy into a friend. And when I hear or read enemy, I think of sometimes when we encounter a person, we may not know them and automatically we're just defensive or we're protective of ourselves which would automatically turn them into an enemy, someone that's from a different background. So the only possibility of turning an enemy into a friend is by showing kindness to that person. Enemies don't become friends by force or by acts of vengeance. Rather, our enemies become friends when we express the love of God to them, do good to them, speak well of them, and pray for them. And if you show kindness to an enemy or even to a new Muslim neighbor, God will reward you, even if your enemy or your new Muslim neighbor continues to persecute you, do evil to you. God will find a way to bless you. And it's from Matthew 5, 44, love your enemies, bless those who curse you and do good to those who hate you. Yes. Okay. Here's another question for you, Nagin. I know you are a busy mom. You have many kids. I think you're working outside the home as well. How do you make time and space for being intentional about outreach and meeting people who are from other faiths and cultures? Oh, that's a great question, Karen. For a while, I actually struggled with that because I was doing it in my own strength. I'm kind of OCD when it comes to scheduling. And it was finally, it had become so overwhelming that I had to sit down and spend time with the Lord and ask Him to organize my daily routine, whether that was with outreach or my family, my work life, my personal life. And it was by God's grace that he helped me get organized and structured. And the most important thing is I need to be fed. I need to be fueled by the Holy Spirit and empowered by the Holy Spirit. And if I'm not filled with the Holy Spirit, and if I'm not pouring into my family, I'm leaving them with scraps. And that's something that I'm not okay with doing. So sometimes I'll have a weekend where I can spend time with my family. And then the next weekend is reserved for outreach ministry. And the following weekend is reserved for family or friends or anything else that I may have in my schedule. I love it. You are very intentional about your time. 
And as you were sharing, it just reminded me of my own experience too. And again, I did the same thing. I always think I can do way more than I actually have time for. And so really it's laying that calendar out in front of the Lord and just really praying, Lord, show me what is the best thing. There are a lot of good things that I could be doing, but what are the best things that you want me to be spending my time on right now? And then from there, blocking my calendar with intention very purposefully in order to juggle the things that I'm doing with my family, as well as being purposeful and intentional about being an authentic Christian witness out there in the world as well. And if we don't calendar it, it won't get done. So I love how you have laid that out before the Lord, sought Him first about how to spend your time pouring into your family, seeking Him, and then go out and are salt and light into the world as well. I'm thinking of all the everyday Christian women who are in the pews of the church who aren't even thinking about sharing and then just how critical it is that they do share. One thing that does come to mind is everyday women, everyday moms, everyday daughters, everyday grandmas, everyday aunts. One thing that we can do is, or we could probably start is looking in our garage. And I say that because for some, it may be a surprise where they may store or have gently used items that can be used to donate to outreach ministries or even community groups that are reaching Muslims or Afghanis or any other nations group. That's one thing that we can certainly do. But again, going out and not being afraid to engage with a Muslim, not to be afraid to smile and offer a helping hand to another person. And that's one thing that the Lord God has blessed us women with is the gift of love and being nurturing to others, especially to our families. But what better way to do it with God's children? And that is one thing that I do want to encourage anyone who's listening is just not to be afraid to hold back and to be bold and to step forward in faith and allowing God to work in your heart. And again, once you do open your heart and your heart is willing to be made available, God is going to do an amazing thing through you. And again, you don't have to be someone who is maybe even an evangelist or anything. You don't have to be experienced. All God calls really is for someone who is open and available. Yes, I've often heard people say, well, I'm not an evangelist, so that's not something I'm supposed to be doing because I don't have the gift of evangelism. That might be the case, and we are all called to be authentic Christian witnesses, ambassadors for Christ, and we need to be doing that with intention. Thanks for joining me. I'd love to know more about you and how this podcast is serving you. Make sure to sign up to get our weekly emails on the website at thebluecord.org. Then when you get an email from me, you can jot me back a note. If you're enjoying the Blue Cord podcast or the book, would you post an online review so that others know what to expect? That would mean a lot. Thanks so much. Have a great week.